to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, a podcast vacation presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and as probably isn't breaking news for a lot of you, I've been doing a lot of reading of Legion of Superheroes comics lately, and that's just where the fanboy muse has taken me, you know? And as I've done so, you know, you... In particular, you know, the the five years later era of the Legion of Superheroes can't really be read without some kind of an awareness of the fact that a retcon, a pretty big retcon, in fact, is taking place in the Legion of Superheroes. For the two or three of you who aren't aware, basically, uh, John Byrne rebooted Superman I don't mean retcon, I mean full-scale fucking rebooted Superman back in 1986, and several of the revisions that he made to the Superman myth kind of had a trickle-down effect with the Legion of Superheroes in as much as Byrne removed Superboy from Superman's uh, history, from his continuity, and one of the main sort of side effects of that is going to be the pretty significant effect that's going to have on the Legion of Superheroes in terms of, you know, if Superboy doesn't exist and, in fact, never existed in the first place, then who or what inspired the Legion of Superheroes to get together in the first place, right? And so that's pretty much... That's something that's just been kind of on my mind as I've reread the five years later era of the Legion. But as just kind of a broader thing, one of one thing that I've had on my mind, I would say especially since the advent of the Jeff Johns, Gary Frankenstein, Superman Secret Origin thing came came around, was just how sick I am of retcons you know and i mean universe spanning retcons first off you know one of the things that we we kind of need to get clear about early on is that the word reboot gets first off it gets abused in mainstream culture you know i remember when those gilmore girls uh movies were coming out on netflix dipshits and the in the national media we're calling that a reboot no assholes that was not a reboot a reboot is a full-scale page one fucking restart that's a reboot by definition those Gilmore Girls movies were not reboots you want to know what a reboot is Battlestar Galactica that was a reboot anyway but even in the comic book community the word reboot kind of gets kicked around a little bit you know anytime the history changes people will call that a reboot and it's not a reboot the history is changing it's not being reinvented from the ground up it's simply changing by definition that is a retcon and Jeff Johns's secret origin by that definition is a retcon it is not a reboot and 
it's not exactly you're not exactly you know on the on like the cutting edge of societal evolution if you come out against reboots especially in the fan community it's a it's a pretty i would say safe position to have you know and god knows i happen to largely subscribe to that position myself but you know one of the things that i've kind of had to get comfortable with as as i've gotten older is not just my opposition to reboots and even really to retcons but somewhat regretting the legacy that John Byrne left behind after all of his work on Superman. Now, before I get going too far into that, I just want to go on the record right now by saying that as a Superman comic book fan, I cut my teeth on the Byrne Age Superman. For a long, long, fucking long time, for me that was Superman. And there were creative decisions that Byrne made that I really deeply agreed with. There were other creative decisions he made that I disagreed with. But in the main, and even now I would say, I do believe that specifically John Byrne's reboot of Superman, it was a necessary thing and it was a positive thing. You understand? Yes, I am largely opposed to reboots. I make exception to that for Burns' work on Superman. Number one, just because it's so good. But number two, what it allowed Superman to do in the years to come was grow and mature and expand and tell new stories. And those ideas are so foreign to a lot of modern reboots and retcons and, and all of that. And that kind of feeds into a big part of why I oppose them today. You know? A good example of what I mean is you compare, and I know it's, again, this is kind of a trendy thing to do, so I, I don't think this is going to be a very controversial thing to say. You compare John Byrne's work on Superman, specifically Man of Steel, and you compare that to Jeff Johns's work on Superman, specifically Secret Origin, and pretty much right from the get-go, you can see some pretty clear and distinct differences. Number one, Byrne rebooted Superman. Number two, Johns did not. Number three, Byrne's agenda was basically to set up Superman's future, basically to lay a foundation that burn himself and also his eventual successors put down a foundation that they can all uh, build upon and expand from and if you ever doubt the success of that remember the fact that the storyline exile was published after burn had left the superman books and Virtually everything that unfolded in the Superman family of titles for the next several years, in some way or another, owed back to goings-on in exile. You know, that one storyline was incredibly powerful, incredibly influential. It did a lot 
to set up future Superman stories, which in turn set up future Superman stories, which in turn set up future Superman stories, and so on, right? All of that basically began with Burns' Man of Steel miniseries, and then after Burn left, like I say, Exile happened, and then all of these other things happened because of this really strong and powerful and dynamic foundation that John Byrne set down. When he put pen to paper for the first time on Man of Steel number one, it was not done on a lark. He had invested a shit ton of time, thought, effort, research, and I would even say planning into what it was that he wanted to do with Superman, both in terms of the stories that he would tell with Superman, but also, like I say, stories that his successors in the future would be telling as well. And I think the proof is in the pudding. I mean, if you look at how long the burned Superman stuck around, you can't argue that this was not worth doing. So whenever I say that in some ways it's kind of lamentable that John Byrne's legacy of rebooting Superman has basically had some very ugly outcomes, that's no reflection on the quality of work that John Byrne has done. I'm just trying to be realistic here, that's all. Now, you compare all of that to what Jeff Johns did with Secret Origin, or for that matter, you could even say Green Lantern's Secret Origin. Basically, any, any origin story that Jeff Johns ever, uh, ever touched, it wasn't necessarily so much to position the, you know, that character for the future, it was intended to basically retcon a bunch of shit in that character's history, keep the majority of the the uh, that character's publishing history that Jeff Johns had read and enjoyed, but basically reinvent all the shit that he didn't like and didn't enjoy so that he could tell one big story using that character and then, hey, fuck it, I don't really care what happens after I leave, right? I'm not trying to say that to sound critical of Jeff Johns, but whenever he does it to The Flash, he does it to Green Lantern, he does it to Superman, how fucking many times does this need to happen before we all recognize his little hat trick? He basically instituted major and significant changes to these characters, Also, he could tell a story that he wanted to tell, and then the the position that leaves the character, uh, the character or characters in after he's left the book, hey, fuck it, not his problem. And, you know, you, you just, you, you compare all of that to, like I say, to Byrne's work on Superman, rebooting Superman. And, you know, Byrne had experienced a shit ton of success at, at Marvel. He'd become a very big, very influential and very popular name in the industry and among fans and for that reason I gather DC Comics wanted him to come work on Superman they didn't just want him to come work on Superman they also had the idea of him rebooting Superman so that the character would have some kind of future and let's face it there there's a lot of marketing potential that that would go into completely restarting Superman from page one and in a weird kind of way, I would say that the opportunity of that is something that Byrne had earned through all of his years slogging it out at Marvel, making the uh, the transition to uh, to DC, 
and to work on Superman. This is something that that I don't know that John Byrne was necessarily campaigning for, but it was nevertheless an opportunity that he deserved and had earned. Whether you love Man of Steel or not, you have to at least give him that much. He had earned his place at the table. And it and again, you know, more power to him. I certainly enjoy his work on Superman and especially that era thereafter where those books were just firing on all cylinders, but the long-term legacy of that <clears throat> is it's almost it's almost like writers will come onto a book and they use the fact that they are writing this book as license to retcon or for or for that matter sometimes even just full-scale reboot uh, a, a given comic book and paying no no real heed to the stuff that's come before them, and I would even say the stuff that's going to come after them. You know, they're not necessarily laying down a foundation. They're basically creating a context whereby they can tell the story that they want to tell, and then fuck off to whatever other title they're going to work on after this. And it, on the one hand, it, it's kind of unfair to hold John Byrne accountable for all of that stuff, because it's not like he had anything to do with it, but at the, at the same time, you can't really overlook the fact that a precedent had been set with Burns' work on Man of Steel. You know, the, the fact that he rebooted Superman created a precedent. And as with so many precedents, when you make an exception once, it makes it easier to, to make an exception in the future. And if you can make an exception for John Byrne, why can't you make an exception for somebody else? Maybe of a lesser uh, station. And then make another exception later on for somebody else of yet another lesser station. And then make an exception for somebody else of yet another lesser station. And then so on and so on and so on. And the end product of that is that you have people like Jeff fucking Johns who are introducing these massive retcons of characters that completely throw their histories out the window also, he can tell one particular story, and then he moves on. And it's like, who is that fair to? Because it doesn't seem like it's fair to uh, Jeff Johns's predecessors. I'm not sure that it's fair at all to Jeff Johns's successors. It for goddamn sure is not fair to the fans. So... I guess apart from Jeff Johns, and I know I'm picking on Jeff Johns here, but it's just he is such an obvious example that it doesn't make sense to point to anybody else in a lot of ways. So apart from Jeff Johns, who in this entire equation is getting what they want? Because I'm at a loss to think of anybody, you know? And I've kind of reached a point in my fandom, especially look, especially as I've, you know, reread uh, Legion of Superheroes five years later and understanding just how badly that book got screwed over in light of all of the behind the scenes baggage and all of these reboots and all of these other things that were going on at DC in the 80s that all of these compromises that the Legion of Superheroes creative team was forced to make and here again if this had at least ensured the long-term viability of the Legion, I guess it wouldn't have been so bad, but it hasn't. 
one could argue that the Legion of Superheroes has suffered greater probably than any other comic book in terms of the ramifications of reboots and retcons and shit that all of these other books are doing as well as reboots and retcons of their own and I don't know I mean it's just I'm one of those people who thinks that continuity should be a good guideline you know I don't necessarily think that if there was a comic book that was published in November of 1973 where Wolverine says that he doesn't like chocolate cake and then today Fabian Nicieza or whoever writes uh, an X-Men story that's all about Wolverine eating a lot of chocolate cake you know I don't necessarily think that these little minor tidbits of continuity are should be binding at all times always everywhere upon everybody but you know at the same time we're way past whether or not a hypothetical example of Wolverine liking or not liking chocolate cake is is on the table here the Legion of Superheroes is probably not even a viable comic book anymore just because of the fact that their history has been uh, retconned so many times rebooted so many times uh, they've just I think in, in in the current DC universe or at least the DC universe at one time they were just wholesale eliminated from existence they were just written out of continuity altogether and DC comics cannot do shit like that and expect a property like the Legion of Superheroes to have any kind of long-term viability or sustainability and here again I am not criticizing John Byrne because I think he did some amazingly great things with Superman that were answered and followed up on and expanded upon by other creators who did equally great and impressive things with Superman and it really worked to the benefit of Superman but it's just it's one of those things where I look at how things have affected just Superman you know the the burn reboot of Superman in a certain sense was intended to be permanent this is the character's new beginning as much as I personally love the Bronze Age the history of the pre-crisis Superman is pretty murky what is the first issue of Superman where does the story uh, proceed and unfold I mean we, we know we kind of know where the Bronze Age uh, Superman story ends or at least we think we know I mean there's a very strong argument that whatever happened to the man of tomorrow shouldn't be considered continuity no matter what but to whatever degree it is in continuity it almost seems like it's the conclusion of the Silver Age this is Alan Moore's uh, bloodthirsty torture porn conclusion to the Silver Age of Superman not necessarily the Bronze Age that's one way you can read it Whereas Burns Superman, it has a very clear beginning point. Everything that you need to know about this character begins on page one of Man of Steel uh, number one, and then it just goes on from there. Until about 2003, anyway, and then Birthright gets started, and then things start getting kind of weird. But it's, again, I mean, it's kind of hard to say that other people don't have the right to reboot and retcon Superman when a special exception was once made for John Byrne. So in a certain sense, there's an argument of, well, as good as his work might have been, why is that sacred? 
why can't others do something similar to Superman in restarting his history or rewriting it or, or, or just whatever? And from a logical standpoint, it's it's kind of like if you make an like I said, if you make an exception for one person at one point in time to do a certain thing, why can't you make an exception for somebody else in the future? Why not? And so when I say that in, in some ways, I kind of lament the legacy of John Byrne rebooting Superman. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And honestly, I mean, part of me, it pro I would probably be okay with what happened to the Legion and five years later and the number of accommodations that they were forced by the higher ups at DC to make if Superboy had been eliminated from continuity forevermore. But in a certain sense, he wasn't because in, as we all know, in 1993, a character called Superboy was introduced into DC Universe mainstream continuity. And then in, you could say, in a kind of relative sense, in 2006, uh, Superboy, which is to say Superman as a boy, was slowly starting to get reintroduced into continuity, but then it was made basically official in 2009 with Secret Origin. And so it's like, okay, so all of these things happen. We have a clone called Superboy, and now we have <clears throat> uh, Superman as a boy. Both of these things are, are in continuity now. What the fuck was the point of... of screwing over the Legion as badly as the Legion got screwed over if this was where things were always going to go in the end anyway. You know, I mean, there were a lot of people who had to make a lot of creative sacrifices in, in the mid to late 80s and then getting into the early 90s with the Legion so that the book could have some kind of viability to it. And in the end, even that didn't work. Arguably, DC Comics murdered the Legion of Superheroes as a concept so that Superboy could be safely removed from, from continuity in order to accommodate John Byrne's vision of Superman. And at least if that had been a permanent condition, it's like, okay, well, yeah, the Legion ultimately paid the ultimate price for that, but in the end, I guess it was worth doing because, hey, John Byrne's Superman is Superman even to this day. Except he isn't, you know? And so, I don't know. I mean, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that DC editors are allowed to say and think and write anything they want, but ultimately there's kind of an undeniable subjective element of continuity where continuity is kind of what you make it to be. Does that make sense? Continuity is, it's rarely an objective thing. You know, there are certain things in in the post-crisis Superman's biography that are just not up for debate, you know? The post-crisis Superman, he came from a very burn-inspired Krypton. That's non-negotiable. The Burn Age Superman grew up, lived his life in Smallville, and then moved to Metropolis. All of this without ever being Superboy. This is non-negotiable continuity uh, he you know all of these things happened but it's it's like at the same time there is a kind of a subjective element of continuity where 
I don't really give a flying fuck what DC says. Certain things for me are in continuity and certain things are not. That's my headcanon, you know? I don't really give a damn how good a story the Electric Superman stuff may or may not have ever been. The simple fact of the matter is, for me, that was just a fucking stupid story. I never saw the point of it. I mean, I guess I understood, you know, like the, the creative inspiration behind it of, you know, showing what Superman really is. He's not defined by his powers or his outfit or, or whatever, you know, fuck, I don't care. You know, it's a stupid fucking story and I've never had any use for it. I don't, it, it's, it's not part of my head, Ken. Never has been, never will be. And, and like I say, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm obviously I'm accepting of the fact that you know continuity is kind of an an inherently subjective thing, but it's it's just look let, let me tell you guys you know just how badly screwed up things ultimately got you know with Superman and with Legion you know for as as hard as everyone tried to separate Superman from the Legion and and verse Visa, there were still things that that happened and, and which took place that in, in a certain kind of way kind of damaged both both uh, titles, right? A good example is the Pocket Universe Superboy. The Pocket Universe Superboy was introduced to explain why the Legion in this post-crisis world that we all live in now or used to live in, how is it that Superboy still somehow or another fits into the Legion's history. And what was eventually decided was that the Time Trapper created a pocket universe where where there was a Superboy, and that's where the Legion was always going every time they visited Superboy. They weren't actually visiting Earth in the past. They were visiting the pocket universe in the past and having adventures with Superboy there. <clears throat> and so once that has been established well we need to kill superboy off this pocket universe superboy we need to kill him off as quickly as possible just because this is not young superman this is basically just a continuity explanation for the legion of superheroes we've done it now we need to wipe out superboy and all life in the pocket universe that's that's what needs to happen now and so that's that's what that's what they did. John Byrne then did a story called the Supergirl Saga, where here again, you know, speaking of things that are absolute canon for the post-crisis uh, Superman, he traveled to the pocket universe and he killed the three Phantom Zone escapees. And that weighed very heavily on Superman's conscience for a long time such that he eventually had a nervous breakdown and then all of these other things happened, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he had this kind of Navajo spirit quest that took him out into outer space and that was the exile storyline, etc., etc. That's what happened. Except it's not possible for that to have happened anymore because retcons that were made to the Legion of Superheroes basically nullified the Time Trapper and all of his work, everything that he had, he'd ever done to the time stream, so that the pocket universe could never have been created. Superboy from the pocket universe could never have existed. Uh, the Phantom Zone escapees that Superman killed never could have existed. So Superman could never have killed them. 
So Superman should never have had a nervous breakdown, so he should never have left, etc., etc., etc. These are the problems that can happen whenever you have a bunch of retcons. And again, I'm not faulting anybody for this. I'm certainly not faulting uh, Keith Giffen and the Beer Bombs for this retcon that DC editorial demanded that they introduce. But it's one of those things that the instant you start fucking with this thing at all, you're creating problems that didn't need to exist in the first place. And for what? And so I, I guess I can understand, you know, the the appeal that a reboot or for that matter, even even a retcon might have for certain people, you know, to certain comic book collectors or perhaps even certain comic book creators. But what I've come to realize is that unless what you're doing is restarting the uh, continuity for the entire fucking comic book universe, and then, it, and then to prove how serious you are about it, starting all of your titles off with number one, if you're not willing to wipe the slate 100 fucking percent clean, it's better you just not bother. Just don't bother. And... But it's just, we live in an, in an age now where, shit, I, at this point, I don't even know if DC even bothers telling origin stories anymore. These retconned origin stories. Why? What's the point? You know, it's just going to change in a year or three years or, or, or whatever. So why should DC take the time to produce an origin story, a retconned origin story? Why should you spend your money buying it? Why should anybody bother collecting it I mean, it's not going to be here five years from now so who cares there's going to be something else that they're doing in five years why get invested in comics at all you know and again I mean I'm, it's not that it's not that you know, continuity is the end all be all for me I mean like I say there are times when maybe what you need to do is sacrifice some incidental piece of irrelevant continuity that nobody gives a shit about but Superboy being omitted from Byrne's Man of Steel, that's not an incidental omission. Byrne was very deliberate whenever he did that. He made that creative decision for a reason. Now, as it happens, it's it's not a creative decision that I necessarily agree with, Legion or no Legion. It, it, it's not a creative decision that I really agree with. Looking back at it, you know, in retrospect, I don't think this was the right decision for him to make, but damn it, he made it and it should be binding. DC made a special exception just for him, and they should stick to that. And they didn't. And the fact that certain elements of, uh, of the burn canon were retained and kept in continuity, while other things were, well, let's face it, they were just uh, carelessly disregarded. It, it, it's just, to me, that's two-faced. Accept everything or accept nothing. But this tendency of this that uh, a lot of comic book creators have these days of creating this sort of patchwork mosaic continuity that takes a little bit from uh, Silver Age, maybe a little bit from Bronze Age, a little bit from post-crisis. It's just, it's, it's fucking lazy, you know? Reboot or don't reboot. But we really need to put the retcons behind us. And I would say, don't even reboot unless you're going to reboot the entire fucking DC universe, you know? Page one, year one, for everybody. 
unless you're willing to do that, it's just best not to bother. And a lot of that kind of leads into my disenchantment, dissatisfaction with, you know, the modern comic book industry. I mean, you know, notwithstanding, how, you know, some of the content, specifically political stuff that creeps up in comics these days, I mean, that's bad enough. And not to speak of the cover prices that comics are starting to reach now, which is fucking insane. I mean, I cannot in good conscience encourage anybody listening to pirate comics from Torrance and all that stuff. I actively uh, discourage you from doing that. But it's like at the same time, I mean, who the hell can afford these cover prices, you know? But even with all of that stuff that's working against us, it's all this fucked up, fragmented, incoherent, completely illogical continuity that oftentimes, like I say now, we don't even get a retconned origin for anymore. And it's like, who exactly is the comic book industry trying to appeal to anymore? Because I know it's not me. Who buys these comics today? And if Marvel's sales are anything to go by, it looks like basically nobody. So I don't know. I don't really know what the point of all this was. I guess it's just I've been reading, you know, a lot of Legion comics now, and I just, I part of me can't help wondering how well things might have gone with the Legion of Superheroes in the five years later era if they, if they hadn't been forced to put up with all of these just really asinine and completely pointless edicts that were being handed down from the higher-ups you know, month after month after month, and it just it just sort of makes me wonder, you know, how differently things might have been for them as a freestanding quasi-science fiction property set in the future of the DC universe independently of Superman, how things might have turned out for them, and the fact is, we'll never know. So, but like I say, again, I'm not trying to beat this to death, but what I find in life is that there's nothing that you can say, there's no point that you can make that's so clearly articulated that some dumb son of a bitch isn't going to come along and misunderstand you anyway. But just to hopefully head that off at the pass, triple underline this part, guys, I am not criticizing John Byrne. You know, like I say, I love the Byrne Age Superman. Again, Byrne made a couple of creative decisions that I disagreed with. He made a couple of creative decisions that I think border on being fucking genius. And to me, in the main, the Burn Age, uh, or the Burn reboot of Superman ultimately was worth doing. My criticism isn't so much that it happened, necessarily. It's more, my criticism is, it was not adhered to permanently. It's not that... It's not that Byrne was given this opportunity. It's that his work is not in continuity to this day. That's my gripe. <clears throat> so anyway, so, uh, like I say, I don't... A lot of this stuff may be Captain Obvious to a lot of you. You, you know, I'm saying what... Uh, or rather, you are you all are all saying what I'm thinking, you know, and I'm kind of last one to the party on this. I, I, I don't know. It's just, I honestly cannot remember if I've ever done an episode of Trinus Magnus Punch's reality or Jab's reality where I said this stuff exactly, but now I have. And so if you 
whatever you want to make of that. So I think that's pretty much it for me for right now. So bye, everybody. I'll see you next time. think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks podcast network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at TwoTrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonzacor of Milan, Italy.